0: Getting into a syndicated investment is gonna be much like buying like single family properties. Not everyone is gonna be a home run. That's not what you're looking for. You are looking for stable base hits that preserve capital, give you some cash flow, give you some solid appreciation. And you're just looking for base hits over time. Will you get the home run? Absolutely, you will, but you're not ever gonna be able to predict which one it is, so give that up. <laughs> just get started. Welcome to the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing podcast, brought to you by Blue Oak Capital. If you are looking to take your real estate investing to the next level and learn how you can achieve your financial success by investing in multifamily real estate, then this show is for you. Our mission is to help you improve your education and learn proven strategies from industry leaders to help you master multifamily investing. Now here's your hosts, Cody Laughlin, John Beatty, and Brian Alfaro,
1: What's up guys, Real Estate Cody here inviting you to join our Preferred Investors Club. Now, what is the Preferred Investors Club? That is an exclusive list of investors that get early priority access to all of our investment offerings before it goes out to our general database. Now, why is that important? I'll tell you because our last two investment offerings oversubscribed by several million dollars each and each had a waiting list. So if you wanna get in and you wanna make sure that you don't miss out on any of the offerings that we're putting out there, make sure to get on this list. So if you want early access, get in now. Go to www.blueoakinvest.com forward slash investor form. Drop your contact information in there so we can get you added onto that list so you can get your priority access. I hope you enjoyed today's episode now to the show. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another great installment of the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, real estate Cody, and with me as always is the coffee connoisseur himself, Mr. Brian Alfaro. What's up, Brian? Good morning. It is. It is. And I'll tell you, I struggled to get out of bed this morning. We made a round trip to Dallas last night before this recording, got back really late. And uh, I admittedly slept through all my alarms. My daughter was late for school this morning. So off to a busy start. <laughs> all but, good. Hey, what a great way to follow up on that and then to have a great guest here on the show. So tell us who that is.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And yes, I need to add car washes. To that. Sometimes it's hard to keep up.
1: Yeah. Well, you guys have been growing at a tremendous pace. I mean, you're doing some very exciting things over there at passiveinvesting.com. So really fortunate to have you here on the show today, Whitney. Like we mentioned before the show, you know, we've been followers of both Dan and yourself for some time. So it's an honor to have you here. Tell the audience a little bit more, kind of, about your background and, and how you found uh, your way into what you're doing today.
0: Yeah, you know, as Brian said, I'm the director of investor education at passiveinvesting.com. I recently held a director of investor relations role at a startup, a private equity firm, and that's where I built the bulk of my portfolio. Before that, I was in, you know, trying to, you know, figure out just like everybody else how to create financial independence and time freedom, choice freedom with real estate. My journey really starts in 2002 when I bought my first property completely by accident. I was an accidental landlord. Bought the property with a significant other. And a few months later, the relationship fell apart. And here I had a property that had green shag carpet, walls in the wrong places, psychedelic daisies painted in the walls. I mean, a lot must have happened there in the 1960s or something. (laughs) So I needed a lot of love and I stuffed it full of roommates and rehabbed the property. And then 11 months later, sold it for a profit. The whole entire time, I thought I had to get out from underneath it. I thought it was going to drown me. And you know, it turns out when, after I sold it, it was like, holy cow. Not only did I walk away with money, put very little into it myself, but I also hadn't been paying for my bills. And that's really what kind of launched my investing career. And over the next few years, I did several more of those, what we now call like live and flipping house hack type deals. And then it dawned on me one day that if I wanted financial freedom, I needed to actually start holding the property to create stable income coming in. So um, my husband and I started acquiring rentals and, and keeping some of our flips as rentals as well. And then we had another ceiling of achievement. We wanted to have more flexibility to travel with our family. i had a young daughter at home. I was taking care of some family members who were ailing and I wanted to start living off part of the income from our properties. And my husband wanted that too. And I was like, well, we <laughs> we're not going to get here very easily with single family rentals. You know, having over 30 of them, you know, was kind of a crushing blow to us, or my time at least, even though we had them with property management. And that's when we transitioned to multifamily real estate. And we did it both actively and passively. And, you know, we can talk about any part of that journey, but passive real estate really has been the key to stabilizing the income in our portfolio, also taking advantage of generational wealth building through growing assets. We've been getting the tax diversifications with them that so many investors seek. And it's also an amazing inflation hedge, which is very critical in today's environment.
1: Yeah, I love your story, Whitney, and it's amazing. I always love hearing stories about people that kind of find their way accidentally into being a landlord, only because I'm familiar, right, Cody? Yeah, sounds very familiar. <laughs> as I, I started very similar to that, but it, it's really eye opening, right, when you go through that and you really realize the power that real estate offers. And, and you know, listening to your story about just the different milestones in your life that you wanted to achieve, and and real estate provided those opportunities for you. It's obviously why we love doing what we're doing, right? And to your point about like being more on the passive side and what that's done for your portfolio and your lifestyle, you know, that's kind of really our focus as far as our audience here on the show talking to passive investors, because I think a lot of people understand real estate investing as a concept, but don't really understand the work and uh, time commitment it takes to really scale a business, right? So you have very busy professionals, doctors, IT professionals, engineers that... Mm -hmm love the idea of real estate, but when they get into it, it really doesn't fit their lifestyle or their schedule. But you can still be a very active investor being a passive investor while still maintaining your W-2 and whatnot. And Brian, I know we have those conversations all the time, right?
2: There, there's a couple of
0: things there. First, when we talk about the income that comes in from real estate, passive real estate, I mean, that can be single family rentals, small, you know, multifamily, even up to the larger projects. That income is all determined to be passive by the IRS. So it's given passive income. Okay. Doesn't matter whether you're managing yourself or whether you have property management in place, it's passive. Then there's also the consideration with your time, which, Brian, is what you're speaking very well about. Is you know how do you actually want to spend your time? Because just because the income by the IRS is deemed passive doesn't mean that your time is passive. Really, whenever I'm talking to investors, I phrase it like this: I'm like, "What are you truly after? What is this going to afford you? What are your goals?" So we really kind of, I really try to dive deep there because you know somebody might want to be you know getting into a passive deal to learn about real estate so they can then go into syndicating themselves. Great. They're on the business side of things. And other people are like, no, I want to have like income coming in. I want, you know, my portfolio diversified. I need the tax benefits so I can have financial independence, have location independence, have time freedom. You know, one of those five freedoms in life freedom to make an impact, freedom of choice. And, you know, it's really that investor that at the end that's seeking those freedoms, they're best fit for passive investing. They need to stay there because eventually, they might burn out like if they try to build an active real estate portfolio. Now you have to get started somewhere, right? Not everybody has like the deep pockets to be able to just immediately jump in and do passive investing. And for those investors, you know, maybe more sophisticated investors. Yeah. You probably need to start building your portfolio with the single family rentals, small multifamily, maybe some small partnerships in order to, you know, get some momentum and progress so you can access those larger deals. For me, I'm a wholehearted believer. If you're in real estate to achieve the five freedoms versus building a business, once you can hit that threshold or start investing passively, do. <laughs> that's really where the golden nuggets are. I know that's how we progress. We spend a lot of time building our single family rental portfolio. And I joked around about it cuz as soon as we like hit our accredited status I was like, "Ooh, we got some AT- little ATMs over here. We got 30 of them so we can start harvesting the cash flow and the equities and start investing in larger deals." And that's exactly what we did. But if you don't need to do that, if you're bringing in the income already, have the net worth, if you can hit that accredited status, now today you might want to consider there's no reward for starting off in single family properties. You can jump right into syndicated real estate.
1: Yeah, we're really glad you mentioned that, Whitney. And I know that's our message and thesis that we try to share with other investors as well. I think it's easy to wrap your head around the idea of a single family home, but when it comes to the actual management and operations and the time commitment, it definitely is much easier as you scale into the commercial space and you can start hiring third-party property managers and teams and Mm -hmm. put systems in place that just allow you to be more of that passive investor. So uh, you know, I think that's the part that a lot of people don't realize is just How much really goes into really operating this, right? So,
0: Uh, if you will allow me to tell a story, we were just recently on spring break in California, and you know, I'm a planner. I (laughs) I thought I had my property manager all lined out, like, "Hey, I'm don't call me, I'll call you for ten days." Like, you know, the house is burning down, give me a call because we still have some of our single family rentals, and even then, he's an amazing property manager. I've been with him for years. I still got. Six or seven touches like throughout that time of things that I had to make a decision on. Home Depot and Lowe's are still my partner in that single family business. I was on the phone with Home Depot like through one whole drive as we're going from Yosemite back into the Bay Area. And I spent hours still on that portfolio while I was there. Now it's leveraged income. I'm happy to have it. But I have 50 syndicated investments, passive investments. Do you know how many phone calls I got? None. I got one email from one of my operators that says, Hey, we're selling off five properties. You're making a lot of money. Do you want to do a 1031 exchange? You know, that was like, yes. (laughs) And so done. (laughs) So, I mean, really, you know, if you're valuing your time, it's a non-renewable resource. Once you spend it, you can't get it back. To me, it's a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I will tell you, it's probably a, a lot more peace of mind, right, Brian, being on the passive side. I mean, we, we know what it takes all too well be on the operator side. Listen, I think to your point, there's certain people that are cut out to be on the active side and be involved in like asset management. And yeah, there's a skill set for that. But like you said, I think a lot of people realize the hard way once they get started that, hey, maybe that isn't my skill set. Maybe that's not what I want to do. I don't want to work myself into a second job and having all of those management headaches and things that come along with that. So that's why we love passive investing and offering these direct private opportunities to investors. That way they can still grow their wealth, still grow their portfolio, and still be involved in real estate, which we all love. So, and speaking of that, so you're the director of investor education over at passinginvesting.com. Tell us a little bit more how you kind of evolved into that role and and taking on the responsibility of providing education to your database and your network.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I spent the past few years as the director of investor relations and operations in another private equity group in. You know, so I've been on the capital raise side. I've been on, I've been the person that's spoken to hundreds of investors a month, late nights and weekends. And and while I'm traveling in order to get the deal raises complete, working with the operators in order to manage the assets. And so I've been on the very active side of real estate. And I think, you know, just kind of, I went into that role, one, to expand my skill set, also to thinking that that's where I really, truly, truly wanted to be. And I do. I love it. And at the same time, I have a child at home. You know, I never thought in a million years that I would actually homeschool. I always kind of thought maybe I'd do it during COVID. We were kind of put in a position where I had to homeschool our child for a little bit. Now she's just at home schooling, but we fell into some key life decisions where we're able to travel more and able to work location independent, able to have our child at home so we can do these sorts of things. And that's really where. I looked at what I how I wanted to evolve my career and my role in real estate. And I'm like, I love talking to the investor. Give me the investor all day long. Somebody else can do all the paperwork. <laughs> So I really, you know, I hold the conversations, initial conversations with the investor, educate them about what we do at PassiveInvesting.com, about passive investing in general, our different verticals that we have, the multifamily, self-storage, car washes, soon-to-be hotels as well. And then whenever they're ready to invest and have specific questions on a deal, that's really where our investor relations team takes over.
1: Whitney, I'm curious, you know, in all the conversations that you've had with the Probably thousands of investors from all over, all various backgrounds. You you mentioned, you know, I know in passinvesting.com, you guys work with mostly or all accredited investors, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in all those conversations, what do you find is a common pain point for a lot of investors when they're reaching out to you trying to pursue this as an asset class? You know, is there any common themes that you hear as far as what people are looking for?
0: different buckets. I mean, number one, some people come over because they don't like the volatility of the stock market. They want to get out of the stock market. That conversation, usually the questions are, is real estate a safe asset to invest in? They're not quite convinced. They're not sold on the idea that real estate is for them. So we you know we work through all the different ways that you can build wealth through real estate and how it can be if you invest correctly and with the right operator, a good complement to their portfolio. Then, you know, there's another camp of investors that much like us here that have had single family properties, multi properties, and they want to scale. They want to fire our lows and Home Depot, they're done. And they want to trade up into larger projects. And so, you know, we have a much different conversation because, you know, in their mind, they're trying to figure out, well, how do I really make money at this? Because I've been managing the day to day operations all myself. Now you're asking me to invest with you as a professional operator and not give up day to day control. So that is a very different conversation that we have and why it's, you know, they actually can create more leverage in their life by investing in a professional team that has the, the knowledge, the expertise, the network. Already built in. They have the ability to get credit and lending and buy assets that individually we probably never, you know, could take down ourselves. And then also pool other investor money to access these assets. And then, of course, take advantage of the time. They can get their time back. And then the the third type of investor is somebody that is probably, I would call them more the professional investor. They've evaluated private equities for a very long time. They've also, you know, invested in the stock markets. They're very numbers laden heavy. And they're so focused on how the deal operates that I'm having to kind of pull them back out a little bit and help them understand that that that's actually they're taking the bet on the operator and that the operator is the business. So those are really kind of three different camps of conversations that I have.
1: Yeah, appreciate you expanding on that. And Brian, I know sounds very familiar, right? I know we have a lot of similar conversations, and it's kind of interesting. And I joke about this because you know my background is in healthcare. I'm used to being surrounded by you know physicians and, and healthcare professionals that are high income earners that are highly intelligent people in their professions, and they're very guarded as well. They protect their earnings and their wealth so much. And it's interesting. I, I think about like two years ago, or shoot, even last year, where the stock market, you know, equities were up thirty percent, and every Everybody's living on the high and everybody's like, well, why would I do real estate if my portfolio is up 30% and then it crashes and they're like, hey, what's that real estate thing again? <laughs> and it just, you know, to your point about like the volatility and the risk that comes with that and just the lack of sleep you get sometimes, especially if you're in cryptocurrencies and equities right now getting be pounded. People are looking for more stable, predictable income. Things like that. So, this is a great compliment to their portfolio, as you mentioned. But I don't know, Brian, what do you, what do you think? What are conversations that we've had with some of our database?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I agree. So Whitney, you've mentioned, you know, as you're educating in nurturing these investors to really, you know, this exposure into past investing. And like you said, for a lot of people who are used to having control and now having to give up that control to another operator. Yeah, that's an unsettling moment. But it goes back to that, you know, as Dan mentions, right, the no like, and trust triad, right, the triangle. You know, how are you educating or what are you coaching your investors on as far as how to vet sponsors, how do they find the right people that they can trust to invest with so that way they can get past that barrier?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I would actually back that up a couple steps. One, you know, you have to believe in real estate as an asset class before you start looking for sponsors. So really, you know, do some due diligence, attend webinars, maybe go to a conference, talk to people that are doing this, go to a meetups in your area and really, you know, go you know, understand the wealth pillars of real estate and how that this has been such a stable class for so long, for millennia, and why there's no indication that it won't be going forward, right? I mean, there's volatility in real estate, there's cycles in real estate, but you got to check that box first. Number two is understanding what you need from your portfolio. And there's needs and wants. I would say everybody now needs to be backed by hard assets. I mean, it just blows my mind if you're investing in something that's not backed by a hard asset right now. It's number one, inflation hedge, right? <laughs> you know, Warren Buffett's rule number one: don't lose money. Rule number two: see rule number one, right? So you know, make sure that you understand that you're investing in hard assets. Cash flow is a little bit hard to achieve right now, but definitely look for assets that still produce some element of cash flow to them because it proves that it's stable in today's environment. Also, it gives you a bunch of different hedges so you can adjust with the volatility in any market. Then, does it have some sort of equity build component to it? So, that can be, you know, if we're talking single family real estate, small multi, maybe there's a tenant pay down on the property. Definitely, we market appreciation. I mean, that is. Something that we're seeing, you know, take off right now it has been for about a year and a half, and it doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon. But really, the bread and butter and the equity build side is the three net operating income levers: the ability to raise the rents to market rent, okay, increase the income on the property, decrease expenses, and then also add additional streams of income. Now, I'm going pretty deep into this area because <laughs> I would encourage any investor to pick, you know. Two, three, or all four of the wealth builders. And the fourth one being the tax benefits. Now, would you understand what you need from your portfolio? Okay. As far as those wealth builders, now is the time to start talking to operators. And I see people kind of get this out of order. They start talking to operators and they were like, I love you. I really want to invest with you, but you don't have anything that fits my portfolio. I want a development deal. Well, we don't do development deals. Um, at least not yet. We're, we're looking to bring on some development car washes here in the next few months. I'm looking for you know classy properties that are 10 12% cash on cash return. We don't do those. Right, So that's where you really need to know what you need from your portfolio and the type of risks that you're willing to take on from the business plan before you go speaking to operators. Now, once you've gotten to this point and you're talking to operators, you want to be with an operator that is um, you know, going back to that know, like, like in trust triad, that they have a background in business, preferably a background in real estate. There's more than one operating manager. In the company. Okay. Like if there's just one and they unfortunately something happens in their life, like, you know, family emergency or something happens personally to them, what happens to the business? It's scary. Are they in their business full time? That is very key, at least for me and the way I invest. I want them taking care of my money as if it's my money. And then, you know, the conversation that you're going to have with them is, you know, understanding their investment strategy. Does it line up with what you need? What markets are they invested in? Right now, growth markets. That is a huge hedge in any, you know, it shores up your investing plan, right? We want to be in markets where the population's growing, incomes are growing, jobs are diversified, the tax environment of that area is favorable. If we're dealing with multifamily real estate, the landlord tenant laws in those areas are favorable. I mean, we saw that during COVID. You know, people that were in landlord favorable areas had choices on how they worked with their tenant and they could individualize the plan as opposed to having to work with the tenant in one particular fashion. And then just really do you trust your gut? Like, what kind of gut feeling do you get from them? What is their track record? How many deals have they done? How many have they taken full cycle? How have those exits compared to what they actually projected? And, you know, also talk to other people that have invested with them. You know, have they always made their distributions on time? Have there ever been any suspended distributions or capital calls? If so, why? Um, You really want to dig into that information and get that from, I think, other investors, is probably the best source.
1: You know, Whitney, that was a very great roadmap that you just laid out. And I really appreciate you getting that granular. And Brian, you know, this is something that's really important to to highlight because how many times do we get on calls with investors and it's a new investor, they're, they're thinking about real estate. And I think we automatically assume that they've gone through these first four steps as Whitney laid out. But when you have that conversation, you realize like they haven't gone through that process map. They haven't really thought this out intently. They just heard about real estate. And so there's a lot of more, like you said, kind of pulling back a little bit and doing that education component. So this is a great roadmap, Whitney. And I really, I think this is actually something that we should probably be focusing more on when it comes to introducing investors to the idea of, you know, real estate. Brian, what do you think?
2: yeah I
0: mean, really at the end of the day, what type of control does the limited partner actually have right? We talked about that as being kind of an objection that people have to actually investing in passive real estate, especially for that person that investor that's coming from managing either like they have their own business that they're running and so they're they're affecting their own business or they have their own real estate that they've been you know, managing the day to day operations. You give up that day to day control. so what can you control passively? It's your plan. The operator, the market and the deal that you go into. And so it's really just focusing on those four areas to make sure that you're you're pretty shored up.
1: Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. And you know, Winnie, I think the other thing too, when it comes to looking at who it is that you want to partner with as far as an operator, I think it's really important to look at, you know, their their portfolio as a whole and like, hey, what is their strategy? Like who, what's their core thesis? Because you know, I know like you guys at passinvesting.com, you're you're now adding things like car wash. But I think anybody that knows, you know, you guys and the team there, it's very clear on what the strategy has been. It's been a straight, narrow path, focusing on core, core plus, no deviation. I mean, so it's very clear to understand that path uh, of, you know, building out your, your business. And so I think that's important for people to realize, too, especially with newer operators coming to the space. You know if one day they're in office, next day they're in retail, next day they're multifamily, next day it's mobile home parks, that can kind of give you a little bit of uncertainty because it's like, man, they're changing their mind every other day. And so uh, I think it's another important point.
0: I mean, I've lost money passively. And the reason why and it's become you know, because of the operator, and, and this is years ago, my first you know, couple of investments, you know, I lost money. I didn't understand these principles. I didn't understand the operator and they were doing exactly what you just said they were like all over the board no clear investing thesis skills can translate you know across retail versus commercial and stuff like that but you have to put it in a team one operator cannot do all that i mean for us the way we manage our verticals is that we actually have managing partners over each of the verticals and so they stay in their lane they're not trying to manage a car. Like our our two partners in our self storage have nothing to do with the real estate that side of the business. <laughs> so, car wash has nothing to do with multifamily. So, you know everybody stays very much in their lane, and so it gives a lot of scalability to how we can grow the company.
1: Sure, there's a lot of clarity, right? You don't want people being confused as what's going on because a confused mind will always say no. And, uh, you know, that's, you want to build a foundation of trust and that, you know, the more clarity that you have, it it definitely helps. So, so Whitney, let's talk a little bit about, I guess, investor sentiment today, both for you as an investor and your network, you know, the markets are shifting, they're changing. You know, Brian and I were talking about this last night, right? Where in a matter of just eight weeks, the market has done a complete 180, you know, from being a seller's market to buyer's market. and, And there's so many levers that are being pulled right now from the Fed and, I don't know. There's so many moving variables, but you know, you listen to the headlines and you see a lot of like gloom and doom, right? Oh, housing bubbles coming. Oh, you know, market's going to crash or this or that. You know, what are you seeing as far as investing appetite with both you personally and your network as far as investing in today's real estate market cycle?
0: Yeah, I mean if we're talking about commercial real estate, I mean things have really kind of cycled back to how they were in 2019, especially when we look at the interest rates. So, I think people need to fundamentally understand how does the Fed, how does the government stimulate spending in a downturn? Okay? You know, when we have a crisis like COVID, they lower the interest rates. So, you know, there's more borrowing going on. They pump money into the system. We're seeing the Fed tried to cool that off, kind of unwind it a little bit to tamper inflation. And so really, when we talk about the interest rates, have they gone up? Yes. I think it's going to kind of cool off asset price increases, but we're still in very much, especially on the single family side, underbuilt. So I don't see you know, in most markets a collapse. I might see a leveling off, maybe like a 5 or 10% decline. But I don't see right now a huge tanking in in, in real estate. Per se. As you said, it might just equalize a little bit more. Maybe you don't have 50 offers coming in on a property. Maybe you only have 10 or five, right? You you still can, you know, definitely turn over real estate. The biggest problem is, especially for the single family real estate, is that the rents haven't increased along with asset prices. So investors are kind of getting cramped right now on the cash flow yield. So how are they to make money? Well remember there's multiple wealth pillars right there's the capital preservation cash flow appreciation tax benefits there's also the inflation hedge so investors are giving up cash flow right now in order to still take advantage of four of the other five wealth building pillars in the long term cash flows will eventually increase. I know that for me like when I was buying properties during covid you know I, they made maybe made a hundred or two hundred bucks you know depending on the size of the property. But I've been able, over the past couple of years, increase those rents. And now I'm making four or $500 a door again. So there's the time frame is a little bit uh, longer. Now, investor sentiment, right? That's what we're talking about. You know, somebody is searching for your yield right out of the gate. That's going to be hard for them mm-hmm. to really kind of adjust to. So, you know, really understanding that we still have a good debt instrument. We still have the 30-year fixed. It's not outrageous from a rates perspective today. That doesn't mean that it can't go outrageous on us um, or like climb on us but you know the value right now is really in the debt and locking that in now so that your cash flow can grow over time. Now, when we talk about the commercial space, debt instruments are a little bit different on the commercial space. I know for us we use some refinancing, you know, we're not using so much like the government sponsored entity loans. Prepayments on those have been extremely high, but you still want to get good debt on these type of properties. You want the interest rate to be fixed for at least the term in the business plan and options to lock that at least for a year or two after the business plan to give you some wiggle room. If it is an adjustable rate, you want to see caps put in place on those adjustable rates as well, because again, you want to be able to protect what cash flow you have. And so we need to make sure that that debt is pretty solid.
1: Yeah, that's great explanation, Whitney. And I I think we both agree with you as well as, Look, you can't read into the, the public headlines. You know, the news is all doom and gloom again, but the fundamentals of real estate are still very, very positive. And that's what I think people need to really focus on is really the underlying drivers of real estate. And when you look at that and you look at the facts, you look at the fact that we're not over levered when it comes to, you know, the asset as a as a class you know, being commercial real estate, we look at the amount of liquidity that's in the marketplace. You look at the housing demand, all of these different fundamentals that are just still providing a prime opportunity for us as investors to capitalize on and really for probably the near to longer term future. I mean, I don't really see a circumstance in the near term that really is going to make that or, or shift that to where we're going to be in a down cycle. So now every market's different. Understand that, you know, every real estate market is going to be completely different what you may be experiencing in your, your area may be completely different than ours. But as a whole, I think, you know, it's just important to be very granular. And as you mentioned know, multiple times already is do your due diligence, you know, really understand what is impacting your business decisions. And this is your, for your, as an investor as a whole, right? I mean, understanding Fed policy, understanding monetary policy, understanding fiscal policy, and how all of those different things are impacting your investment portfolio as a whole. And that's everything from equities, cryptocurrencies, real estate, you know, all the above. And that's just being a savvy investor. Right?
0: Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of us, I mean, I know, uh, you know, 2008, 2006, 2008, 2011 were very real. And I, you know, there's a lot of trauma that came out of that, but we're, it's the fundamentals, as you said, are, are entirely different. We're not oversupplied. We have better, way better debt instruments. We're not over levered. And so, you know, so a lot of those, you know, fundamental issues have been corrected, but the fear is still there, and I get it. Uh, but that's where it goes back to investing based on principles, not so much trying to read the tea leaves.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and it goes back to your point too about investing with strong operators and, and teams like yourself, like you, Whitney, over there at passivevest.com. The you know, you guys have just a phenomenal track record, a phenomenal team, just great resources for you know the investor community. And you know, you've been through this. Like you said, you've been through multiple cycles. You've kind of been through some ups and downs. You've you've been on both sides of the investor table, and you know what some of those pain points are. So that experience is really what people can really trust and build off of when it comes to you know, working with people like yourself. So definitely appreciate that for sure. Brian, what do you, what do you think
2: here so far? 100%
1: 100% agree. We 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 talked about this, right? We heard that Grant Cardone mentioned this to us. The most money you're ever going to lose in real estate are the deals that you don't buy, you know. And if you're buying, if you're buying real estate and you're just waiting, if you buy right, you're going to be fine. So, but you got to stay active. So, so Whitney, this has been great. Really appreciate the great insights here. I want to kind of get an idea on what's going on with you and the team. You know what's going on for this year, and, and tell us a little bit more about the future trajectory. You know, at PassiveInvesting.com.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. We have, again, our different verticals needed to help people create passive income, as well as generational wealth building through hard assets like real estate. And so we have our multifamily. We're still acquiring multifamily in North and South Carolina. We just opened up the Savannah, Georgia, as well as Nashville, Tennessee. That's pretty exciting for us. We have properties in Florida as well as Texas. So it's just really that kind of whole southeastern corridor we're looking at. So storage wise, we invest in those same markets and then we stack on top Colorado and Idaho. So it's super fun to get to see the team whenever they're coming out here, looking at assets in Colorado. That's where I'm at. And then we have our car washes. So we're building a portfolio of 100 to 150 express tunnel car washes. So that's super exciting. That is not your, like, you know, the, the car washes at the gas station or like you know, the ones where you have to go put the quarters in and like work the brush. We have a camper van. And so my husband has to go scrub it with the brush all the time. Um, very painful. But, you know, express tunnel car washes, we're going to be doing a little bit of development here soon with that. But we're looking to scale that business. And one of the unique things about that, I know other people do car washes, but it's going to be very difficult for them to scale their business. We have solved that difficulty because we are actually building. Dean. Property management or car wash management company alongside that. So, we're going to be solving that for these larger institutional buyers. So, we're super excited about that. And then we're going to be bringing on hotels here pretty soon. I wish I had something to talk about on the hotel side.
1: (laughs) Well, that's awesome. It's really been great to see the growth there and all the different verticals. And, you know, again, the track record speaks for itself and the team speaks for itself. And that's why you guys are able to be successful in these multiple verticals and offer, you know, really a, a variety of, you know, you have a menu of different verticals that will fit a variety of different investing appetites. So that's really exciting. So I know that's something that Brian and I are striving to be long-term here at Blue Capital. So uh, definitely looking forward to following in that footstep. But well, Whitney, as we near the end of the show here, we do have a few more questions to wrap up and then uh, we'll give you your time back. How's that sound?
0: Sounds perfect. Let's do it.
1: All right. All right. So one thing we love to learn from all of our guests, Whitney, is what do you like to do for your continued education to further your investing?
0: I devour podcasts. I believe in the Tony Robbins net time, so no extra time. So every time I, when I'm running, that's like my meditation slash university. So I'm constantly listening to podcasts or books on real estate, investing, finance. And then attending conferences, I think that's a great way to network with the you know amazing operators as well. It's an easy, it's an easy way to kind of get collectively in the room and shake hands with you know multiple people at one time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I know Brian and I love to be as publicly facing as we can. So that's where true relationships are formed. But so Winnie, looking back at your trajectory, was there one moment of time or one event that really changed the course of your trajectory?
0: Yes. And don't read into this because it came after the 2016 election. And so we're not going to talk about the election piece. What came of that though is my husband works with the government. And so really we saw pretty much everything was on the table, like as far as government benefit packages. And mind you, we were still flipping at that time. You know, I think we'd maybe just started acquiring our first rental property and we we're kind of tire kicking. Long story short, that was the impetus. We were just like, wait a second, your life insurance and benefits and all this can go away like inside four years. I was like, we got to figure it out. That's it. We've got to take, we got to put the control back in our hands. We've got to figure it out. We don't want to be beholden to, to have to depend on anybody or any entity for our success.
1: Wow. And it's paid off for you. That's tremendous. I, I appreciate you sharing that. So Winnie, what advice would you give to the listeners to help them grow their businesses?
0: So um, get educated and get started. Even if it's just like investing in your first like syndication, get your education and then pull the trigger, get invested. And I don't mean like pull the trigger like randomly without the right operator, but you have to get started. You have to get off the sideline. Getting into a syndicated investment is going to be much like buying like single family properties. Not everyone is going to be a home run. That's not what you're looking for. You are looking for stable base hits that preserve capital, give you some cash flow, give you some solid appreciation. And you're just looking for base hits over time. Will you get the home run? Absolutely. You will. But you're not ever going to be able to predict which one it is. So give that up. (laughs) Just get started.
1: That's great advice, Wendy. Really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, that was great. So, well, Wendy, tell the audience how they can learn more about you and get connected with you over at PassiveInvesting.com.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. You can find me at passiveinvestingwithwhitney.com. It's a sub page on the passive investing website. But when you register there, you get some free goodies. You get a checklist and eventually I'll have an ebook coming out. It's written, we're just getting it designed right now. And so you'll get those that free educational pieces. You can also register for my weekly masterclass that I do to help you work through all the pieces on passive real estate. And so you'll have that. And then also you can schedule time with me there as well, and we can talk about your goals and the open deals that we have and see if we're good, good fit.
1: Awesome, love it. Wendy. want to thank you again so much for tuning in with us today. I hope that people take advantage of that because it is a very great content library that you've built over there. So uh, really appreciate your time today and all the great nuggets here. We look forward to staying connected. Thank you. thank you.
0: Today's episode was proudly brought to you by Blue Oak Capital. To learn more about Blue Oak Capital and how you can partner with us, visit www.blueoakinvests.com. Tune in next time.